Nick Knudsen, joined by Will Miles. Welcome to Stand Up and Holler. Tonight's episode, Moten comes in through the portal, as does help along the offensive line from an in-state source. For six bits, we'll discuss a potential opportunity for a home-and-home between Florida and Georgia in the coming years and wrap up with some information on the magazine. Will, how's it going, man? Going all right, dude. Obviously, uh, you know, you and I have been working hard on that magazine, and uh, so now it's time to drink, celebrate. Cheers, man. <laughs> got, got got some beer over here tonight and enjoying it. So you'll get you'll get Will unfiltered tonight on Stand Up and Holler. If, if I say anything <laughs> untoward, it's the beer talking, not me. You got something to blame. That's good. Let's let's jump right in here. According to the Michigan Daily, uh, Moten coming over to play safety. Art. R.J. Moten here coming over to play safety from Michigan. Uh, he played a major role in last year's secondary for the Wolverines, and he will, according to the Michigan Daily, leave big shoes to fill. He started 10 games at safety last season for the Wolverines and has been a big part of their playoff defenses for the last couple of years, 65 tackles uh, over that span. Uh, really became the odd man out in the rotation up there at Michigan. Well, a uh, deep safety room. And lots of talent up there, so had the opportunity to jump down to Florida here and get into a room that's really got a lot of talent in it, but it's very young. So a guy like this coming in, a veteran from back-to-back playoff teams, back-to-back Big Ten champions, could be a good guy in the locker room for the culture and everything to help shape the careers of these young guys early on, Will. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we all expect Kamari Wilson to play a huge role at safety. I think the question is, can Miguel Mitchell step in there? And then when you start talking about the other guys, when you got you know guys like Dakota Mitchell and you got some of the young guys like uh, Jordan Castell, Bryce Thornton, or Dijon Johnson, like you don't know what you're going to get with those guys. And and if you've got freshmen lining up at safety in the SEC, at some point you're going to get exposed. And and Florida was going to going to have some problems there. The other thing is Austin Armstrong likes taking chances. He likes bringing the house. We'll have an article up on Read Reaction in the next week or so, looking at that, detailing it, and. Um, might even be up before this ends up getting posted. But but the point is is that Austin Armstrong is going to be aggressive. He's going to put these guys out on an island. And so you need people who are experienced, who know how to recover, who understand what the offense is trying to do and make sure that they don't get out of position. And what happens when you have true freshmen playing safety? Well, you're going to have guys who get out of position. So an injury to Wilson, an injury to Mitchell, and all of a sudden you've got guys stepping in who just have no experience at all. Moten last year played all 14 games for the Wolverines, 31 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, one interception one pass defense so you know good numbers not great numbers this isn't like we're not getting reggie nelson back there i don't think but we're getting a solid guy who if wilson or mitchell struggle you're going to be able to put him in there potentially pushes those guys for starters time um as as, in fall camp and hey maybe he starts if depending upon how those guys are actually playing and developing the the advantage of the youth movement is is that two or three years from now napier's going to have guys in place who have a lot of experience the downside to the youth movement is, is if those guys don't step up, then all of a sudden you're going to have to deal with the fact that those guys are, are struggling and you don't have anybody behind them. So Moten sort of gives a, a bridge between those, and hopefully, um, you know, I hope he doesn't play that much because it means that those two young guys have stepped up. But certainly I think having him there means that Florida has added upperclassmen depth, which is something that we've talked about all offseason. They just don't have, given the guys who've departed for the NFL and the guys who've departed for the transfer portal. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm with you. I want to see Kamari uh, Wilson. I want to see Miguel Mitchell get Get some playing time back there. I, I want to see the young guys shine. But with Moten here, it gives you that depth. This is a guy who's contributing on a playoff caliber football team. All right. So he might have been the odd man out. He might have been the guy that had to hit the portal uh, to get some more playing time his final year in college here. But 
I think that's a, a nice pickup here for Napier in the, in the portal. This has been something – there's been a lot of discussion. We've seen Florida State hit big a couple uh, – in the portal here a couple days ago with Keon Coleman going from Michigan State down to uh, Tallahassee. But, Will, it, it's it, – I, I, I'm not convinced that the portal is a place where you're going to tap into a lot of superstar talent. It's it, More often than not, even the big names that transfer, they don't pan out like super well at their next destination – and this is just an example of, hey, this is a guy that's coming over. He's going to probably fill a role, but you know, he might, he might at the high end be a, a, a nice starter at some point. But this is not going to be a superstar that's going to revolutionize the defense here. Yeah, you have a really good section that that I was editing this weekend in the magazine, readingreaction.com/slash/mag for those of you who want to go pick it up. But in that magazine, you've got a really good section that goes through everything that's happened in the transfer portal with Florida and even sort of Florida tangential guys. And and that's exactly what it is, right? It's it's that the probability that these guys pan out is relatively small, and and that's something that you have to take to take into account when you bring these guys in. Now, look, if Florida brought in a guy through the transfer portal at quarterback in the next couple of days, I think you and I would both be thrilled. I think there are places where you say there are areas for them to have definitive upgrades. I think that's one of the reasons why Moten is a good pickup, because that is an area where you look at Florida's roster and just go, there is no experience there. And you're playing true freshmen really quickly if there's any injuries, if there's any guys who have disciplinary issues, if you've got guys who you want to bench because they're not showing up for practice, if you've got guys who get injured, if you've got guys who who aren't aren't developing the way you want them to develop, right? You're going to be sitting there on true freshmen really quickly. Moten brings a level of protection for that, but that's what it is. And if he ends up starting 13, 14, 15 games, well, if he starts 15, I think we're all happy, but if he starts 13 <laughs> games, then you know I think you're probably going to look at a defense that has not advanced as much as we would have wanted it to. And that's just the reality. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a valuable backup. Like you know, After a team takes a couple of deep shots, you need a guy to be able to rotate in there and be an effective right. player. Right. So, and considering the way, way college offenses are going, you need guys who you, know, you can play nickels and dimes and guys who can come up and protect against the run while also being able to cover the Brock Bowers of the world in coverage. But, look, I mean, we saw what Georgia did to TCU last year. We saw what TCU did to Michigan. Um, there's not really any doubt in my mind that that the SEC is going to be a step up for Moten. It's an opportunity for him to prove to the NFL scouts and everybody else out there what kind of ability he has. But, you know, I think it's just like anybody else in the, in the transfer portal. You look at it and go, Are, am I filling a need or am I bringing in a can't-miss guy? And in some ways, that's kind of what you do in recruiting, too, is am I bringing in a can't-miss guy or am I filling a need? In this case, Florida's filling a need. That's a good pickup because they're filling a need. Similar story here out of FIU, Lindell Hudson, uh, originally committed to USF in the transfer portal, six foot seven, 320-pound offensive tackle, uh, played both left and right tackle. That type of versatility is very attractive there for a guy that size in, in the port portal there, Will. Uh, entered the portal in March as a graduate transfer, committed to USF originally, like I said, flipped to Florida in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, for the past three seasons, he's been a regular starter at right tackle. He was limited to playing just eight games last season due to injury. And again, this is a nice depth piece at a position that's not totally settled. I know we addressed it in the portal. You got guys like George and uh, Goodwin out there, but it's good to have another piece at that position. Yeah, I mean, look, I, th I think at this point you're looking to add anybody who who as and we, I think we might have talked about this last week, two weeks ago that that they're not they're not short on scholarships. 
So there's no penalty for bringing in a guy who's going to jettison in a year because you've got the scholarship available. So you're either giving it to a walk-on or you're giving it to a guy who comes in through the portal. Johnson's better than a walk-on, and so it makes sense to give him a scholarship um, depending upon uh, who else you've got in the fold. He started a whole bunch of games. That's a feather in his cap. Now, if you look at last year's schedule, I mean, we're talking Bryant University, Texas State, Western Kentucky, New Mexico State, UConn, Texas San Antonio, Charlotte, Louisiana Tech, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, UTEP and Middle Tennessee. So not exactly Georgia, LSU, and Michigan, but hey, you know, well, maybe Michigan. But, you know, look, I, I think not great teams, but still big-time college football, um, and and he's got 35 starts. Again, I think it's the same story as it was with Moten, right? If this guy comes in and provides depth when somebody gets injured and you've got a guy who's got 35 starts who enables them to be a little bit more versatile, especially when someone rolls an ankle or someone hurts a knee or something like that, that's great. If he's a starting left tackle or the starting right tackle when the season starts, we got some issues because, yeah, Florida's lost, I think, 118 starts from the four guys who left last year who started on the offensive line, but they've also brought in a bunch of guys through the transfer portal who they expect to be able to fill in those spots. Hudson's the least or the lowest on the rung when it comes to those guys and hasn't been in the program through the spring. So you would expect all of those guys to have a step up in front of him and that he's going to have to battle for it. So if he's a solid backup and allows them to get to that 8-9 offensive lineman that Billy Napier feels comfortable with throwing into an mm-hmm. SEC game, that's one thing. If he's the fifth guy, then I think we got problems. And so it really sort of, to me, it's it's determined by where he sits in that pecking order in terms of how valuable and how useful of a pickup this is. You're just one injury away from a significantly different situation on that offensive offensive line. I think they did a good job addressing it in the portal this year. Uh, however, it is pretty lean. It's pretty thin. And you got a lot of young guys there behind. We were even talking about with the potential of Mizuka transferring in the spring boy, that changes the equation, right? So, like, we one one bad injury, and it's a lot different look on that line. So you really can't have enough pieces that are, are proven to be productive on this offensive front. And you get a guy that, hey, yeah, he played at FIU, but he's proven to have a fairly productive college career, was looking for an opportunity to step up for his final year as a graduate transfer, and uh, Florida's the landing spot here for Hudson. Yeah, well, I mean, so look, he he struggled last year, but you mentioned that he was injured. Two years ago, Pro Football Focus actually had him ranked pretty well. He was ranked in the mid-80s in terms of his overall offensive grade from PFF, which, you know, look, I mean, I think – um, depending upon what service you're looking at, I'll tell you something. An offensive line's hard to grade. Um, I don't think this is an NFL prospect, but I think it's somebody who could be a solid college player. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, Florida last year was missing solid college players, right? You go, you lose to Vanderbilt and Kentucky the way they did because you're missing solid college players. They need solid college players, and, and adding those guys makes sense. There's, there's been a lot of there've been a lot of articles that have come out in the last couple of days, sort of talking about Napier building the program and and sort of where Florida was when he took over from Mullen and all those sorts of things. That's one of the reasons why you want to see him recruit at the high school level so well to begin with because that sort of buys him the patience that's going to be necessary for some of this rebuild. Look, none of these guys in the portal are like making me get up out of bed to write something about them. I'm not going to go break down R.J. Moten or Lindella Hudson. I hope they're successful, but I think they're depth pieces. And they're solid depth pieces, but uh, but that's probably what we're looking at is guys who, if they're playing we're probab- and playing significant minutes, we're probably going to be um, saying wait for 2024. Well, I, and, but the upside is you do have that piece there if you need it. That's the upside there. So it's not – these aren't – like you said, these aren't guys that – 
are probably going to, you're going to lean on these guys to go uh, make a championship run here. But at the same time, uh, better to have a little bit of depth than not have it at all. Uh, let's, let's move on to six bits here. Will outgoing Jacksonville mayor, Lenny Curry told 1010 XL radio station up there in Jacksonville uh, that the renovation to the stadium up in Jacksonville could start as early as 2025 and it would make TII bank uh, TIAA bank field unavailable for the Jags, Gators, and Bulldogs. He projected it to be the 25, 26 season. Scott Strickland says that they've been working under the assumption that it's going to be the 26 and 27 seasons. So if that's the case, and if that's the timeline for a facility upgrade in Jacksonville, uh, it very much could be that the Bulldogs and Gators, much like they did when the Jags first came into the NFL, uh, they might either play a home and home or another scenario I throw I saw thrown out there. Maybe this is the time where an Atlanta steps in and bids for a couple of years or Orlando or Miami, some other city might bid on the game for a couple of years. But I would think that both fan bases would like to see that as a home and home if it was only a two season hiatus in Jacksonville there, Will. I think the fan bases would like to see it as a home and home. I think the economics of it will prevent that from happening. My guess is it'll end up in Atlanta, and then you know Kirby will start barking about how he wants it to be in Atlanta every other year rather than Jacksonville every single year, and then we'll get to complain about how he's wiping the floor with everybody anyway, and still complaining about you know that he can't recruit on that weekend and all sorts of other <laughs> stuff. I, um, you know, I guess the good news is is that no matter what the score is next year. Um, or the next time they play in Athens, that Georgia won't be able to even the score, given that Florida put up 50 the, the last time they were up in Athens. But, uh, look, it's cool. I mean, I think, uh, honestly, if they're playing a home-and-home home and we think that's, like, the last time they'll do it in, you know, the next 20 years, I suspect I'll find my way to get to Athens that year that they play that game. So, you know, yeah, I think it's cool. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll end up in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I... – <laughs> I, I could definitely see the, them getting priced out with the Atlanta game. Atlanta seems to pull in a bunch of neutral games anyway throughout the year, and that stadium is definitely an attractive venue. But I, it would not shock me that if there was that there's overwhelming demand from within the fan bases to say, no, we actually want to see Georgia down in Gainesville for a year. We want to see the Gators come up between the hedges because, it, like you said, last time around Florida was operating up here and Georgia was about right here at 52-14. Gators uh, in the swamp in 1994, 52-17 uh, in Georgia in 1995. So um, you got to think Georgia might be looking for a little revenge from those years. Maybe. I mean, look, I, I think the the reality is, is when this finally happens, because they haven't announced exactly when it's going to happen, when it finally mm -hmm. happens, um, I'm not sure that uh, – that Florida and Georgia will be at the same spot. These things tend to ebb and flow. Like we all look at Saban's reign in Alabama and just sort of think that things will last forever like that and forget that that's really kind of an anomaly in terms of the way things go. Hopefully um, Kirby Smart's, you know, tenure at Georgia is more like Urban Myers at Florida and, you know, high, high intensity heat to start with and then flames out eventually, even though he's bringing in number one quarterback prospects and all sorts of stuff like That's that. It. Like, you know, maybe uh, maybe his Rayola will end up being his Andre DeBose and, uh, you know, we have him there for five years and he disappoints Georgia fans for, for you know, five, five or six straight years. But, uh, look, I, I think money talks when it comes to this stuff, right? 
And so the reason they keep that game in Jacksonville is not some nostalgia. It's mm. not because the fans want it there. It's not because the coaches love it there because they don't. It's not because of anything other than they get money from the city of Jacksonville to have that game there. And if Jacksonville decided they were going to cut off the spigot, then they would go play a home-and-home. And the reality is, is that for all college football, for all football in general, there's an enormous market because it's one of the few things that people spend money on regardless of the economy, regardless of politics, regardless of anything. And so you're going to fill up that stadium in Atlanta if you put it there, which means it's worth it to that to the people who run that stadium in Atlanta to put the event there. And so I suspect that that's what will happen, is that there will be a neutral site that comes in and says, yeah, Florida, Georgia, we'd love to have them there. And the reality is Atlanta – like they're not gonna have any problem selling that thing out for Florida, Georgia, right? The question we're gonna end up having is is how do we prevent it from being more than like sixty or seventy percent red and black? And you know that'll be up to Florida to determine that and make sure that the fans show up and 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 come to support the team. But they're not gonna have any problem selling it out. They're not gonna have any problem getting television revenue for that sort of for that sort of game. And so and if you're ESPN, wouldn't you rather have the primetime game in Atlanta as opposed to between the hedges and then down in the swamp? I mean, you know, I, I think from a TV perspective, it'll end up making more money too. So, look, <laughs> college football has gone the way it has gone because people are because the powers that be make decisions based on financials. Financials drive the game in Jacksonville; they'll drive where this one ends up. I wish it didn't. I wish we got to play at home and home, but I'm not expecting that to happen. Yeah, if you got a vote, would you vote for the home and home? Sure. Course. That's, a, that's a, I would love to see the home and home. There's but such but a I mean, I'm, but I'm a, but I'm a schlub on a podcast talking about this, not an athletic director who ha, who has to make those decisions and who has to compete, right? Because that's the thing. If Strickland puts a couple million dollars in his coffers from a game, then all of a sudden you've got a couple million dollars more than everybody other than Georgia, right? Georgia gets to put it in their coffers too. But you've got you've just add you've just put this big boost into your overall program. You've got money now. Now Florida tends to disperse it a little bit more evenly across gymnastics and baseball. And basketball and and swimming and all those sorts of things, but you still have that money in the athletic in the athletic department. And Strickland's job is to be fundraiser. His job is not to make me happy or you happy. Now, if that affects the fundraising, then that's his job. And so that's the question: is is having it in Atlanta when it's already in a neutral site going to impact fundraising at all from fans? Now, we're still going to show up because it's still an interesting venue, it's still a new venue. Um, quite honestly, Florida hasn't been to Atlanta in a while. Obviously, we played Alabama a couple years ago, but other than that, it was sort of a uh, a dearth of Florida getting that SEC championship game. So. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to go to Atlanta, an opportunity to hang out with friends, an opportunity to, to bark back at the Bulldogs if you happen to pull one out. And I think that's something that people will find attractive. So the 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 fans are not going to revolt. Now, if they try to put it in the Sugar Bowl or if they try to put it like, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. All right. Now, now you've now you've made people have to fly for it and plan and all that stuff. But I mean, honestly, moving this game to Atlanta ticks people off a whole lot less than moving that Utah game to Thursday. So I, I think uh I think in the grand scheme of things, or Orlando, let's keep it out of Orlando. I, well, I mean, I, I don't. Is it, we don't need to do another Orlando after that Miami game a couple of years ago. Is there even a stadium down there anymore? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Florida just, State. They're opening their season against LSU there for some reason. I don't understand that at all. Camping World, what a place! Yeah, you're giving up a game in in Doe Campbell to play in Camping World Stadium. That's just that's unbelievable to me. But all right, let's talk about the magazine. Will to wrap things up here. Uh, it's we got it publishing. It's out, it's out there with the publisher. Uh, it's in the process of development. Took a lot of work to get it done, but we got across the finish line. When can folks expect the magazine? 
Yeah, so it's going to arrive on my door <laughs> the Thursday before Memorial Day. So uh, my kids are going to be a little bit of, a little bit of uh, forced labor to get it out into the mailbox. Um, depending upon shipping times and things like that, it should arrive right after Labor Day uh, or right after Memorial Day. Um, and then there will be a digital option available for people who just want the PDF. We've had a couple of people ask for that, um, especially if you're going on holiday for Memorial Day, you want to have it there as a PDF to read it. Um, I'm really proud of the product this year. I, I think you know last year was sort of our first foray into it we didn't really know what we were doing i would say this year our second foray into it we still don't really know what we're doing but i think it's a lot better than it was last year um, we've cut down the overall number of pages but i think that's in enhanced the content so i mentioned an article that i'm going to have up later this week it's going to be delving into the defense it's something we cut from the magazine so you know the cool part i think will be you'll look at it and go that's the quality of the stuff that they cut Huh. I wonder what they what, what they actually left in it. So there's still copies available. We ordered extra, but we'd love to sell out this first print. Um, sell out the first print. We'll order more if people want it. So, um, you know, now we've gone through all the proofing and the editing and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, the hard part's done and we, we got the we got the printer all set up and all that sort of stuff. So it's exciting. I'm excited to have it coming on my door, but you can still order it. Go over to readingreaction.com slash mag. That's readingreaction.com slash M-A-G. You can order it over there. Um, again, on Memorial on Memorial Day, the uh, the link will there will right now. There's one link for a hard copy version. Once Memorial Day comes, there will be two links. One will be for the hard copy version, and one will be for the digital version. And then the other thing is, we know things are going to change, and so um, you know we'll, we'll we'll have something in there when you get your hard copy that gives you a little uh, gives you the opportunity to get a little bit of an extra bonus there too. Um, you know, so if you order the hard copy, you'll get some extra stuff that's sort of updated based on what's happening over the month while we're waiting between when we finished writing and when the printer happened. That was actually the biggest challenge with this was that, you know, you sit there and you write a section on the offensive line. Oh, crap. We just got a transfer who came in. Got to write about well, that. That That's also what I found interesting is like a lot of the material we, we ended up favoring throughout the magazine. It was it's not your traditional. I didn't I don't think it's your traditional Athlon magazine or something like that. Right. Where it's kind of you would read about. Well, here's a position breakdowns. We got a little bit in there for those of you that do enjoy that. We do have some of that in there. However, there's a lot of like we have a breakdown about Billy Napier's use of the tight end position. We have Will did an excellent section where he broke down individual plays from last season about plays that make this offense tick and like what type of play calls Billy you can expect from Billy Napier. But what's awesome is it has a little QR code in the corner. You just put you can put your phone right up on that QR code and you can watch the play. And it's drawn out in front of you, and Will has it written out in his analysis too, and and you could follow along on your phone as well. And so I I think that was a really cool uh, section there. Will we break down recruiting and different? There's a lot about recruiting in there. We're reading reaction. That's what we like to talk about. So there is a lot about recruiting and like what the Gators, where the Gators need to pick it up, and and specifically what other schools are doing as well. So there's a lot of analysis in there about that as well. And I I, I really I think we took full advantage of that 72 pages, Will. Well, I mean, I mentioned earlier the section that you had that sort of goes over all the transfer portal guys, and you sort of re-rank them by star based on how they performed through the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's still a couple of guys who the jury's still out on, but to look at that was a little bit of a sobering look at, oh, just wait for the portal. It's like, well, you know, maybe that's not the thing we should be doing. And and so those sorts of things, right? I think that's what you're going to get out of it is you're going to look at it, and our ethos has always been be a smarter fan. That's what we're trying to do. And the hope is, is that when someone says, well, why – like Billy Napier shouldn't be his offensive coordinator. That this gives you something to look at and go, well, actually, like 
did you notice on this play that this is what happened? They didn't follow the play design. And look, the offense isn't going to change. So whether Anthony Richardson's in there or whether Graham Mertz is in there or whether Jack Miller's in there, um, the offense is going to be the same. You're going to see some of these plays because he does do some unique things on the offense that I think are interesting and you know that, that we broke down specifically to look at and say, look, these are the things that if you're looking for in the running game, how do you know when you watch a running play that Billy Napier's offense is working and that the offensive line is succeeding? So we broke down one of those specifically. And then what do they do off of that running game once it's successful? And we broke that down too. So there's, there's a lot of really cool things in there that, yeah, I think you're right. I think you won't get that in an Athlon magazine. That doesn't mean an Athlon magazine is bad. It just means that I'm we've still just... buying Athlon. I, <laughs> I, I love those magazines anyway, but I, I was just saying it's a little different. The product, whereas last year I feel like we did more of that that typical uh, analysis you'd find in those magazines, right? Where we broke down, we went a lot of depth on the roster. Of course, we had no page limit last year, so we did 150 pages on that last year. So it's like you're hearing us talk about doing half the amount of pages, like, but we had to really make a decision. Is this worth putting in? Like we wanted every page to count on that this year and, and we couldn't we we tried to eliminate any type of thing that we designated as fluff right we're not doing last year we did paragraphs on every single player on the roster right there's not enough room for that this year but we did go into each position group and we broke down we graded each position group and so there's we tried to incorporate elements of that but i do like the direction this magazine ended up taking and it's like you says our first year putting together a physical copy I, I can't wait to get a copy of that in my hands love the cover you picked an excellent picture of uh trevor etn scoring that long touchdown run against south carolina it's a i, th I think it's a good looking cover and uh very very happy with how it turned out looking forward to getting a hard copy in my hand uh, yes, yeah, so hope, and, hope and they're all coming through the Miles household too. <laughs> the Will yeah. Miles personally putting together those magazines for 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 everyone out there and shipping it out uh, from the Miles household. Hey, this this is this is a mom and pop shop we got here at Read and Reaction. We are not outsourcing <laughs> that sort of stuff because we couldn't afford to outsource that We're stuff. We're saving reality, where we can, so. baby. <laughs> but uh, now look, I think people supported us last year, and I appreciated that. I yeah. think you and I both looked at the magazine and said. You know, this was an idea. We tried it. It was successful to some degree, but we know we can do better. And so yeah. this year was, hey, let's do it better. And one of those things was figuring out how to get this actually published and how to get hard copies in people's hands. Um, we've also, throughout this entire process, though, we found we've built relationships with printers who can do higher volumes than the people we've gone with thus far. Um, and we've built relationships with distributors. So the hope is, is that next year, you know, if you guys buy enough of these magazines, that next year we're going to be able to get them into Publix and get them into Walmart and get them into Winn Dixie and and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, look, it's a small it's a small ask. It's about twenty bucks. Um, it's a small ask to you guys, but uh, you know, we appreciate the support and feel like this is something we can contribute that you know we don't have the access that some other people do and that's kind of been the whole point is that we can be critical of things when we need to be critical and we can be honest and be positive when we when we need to be positive and that if we're being positive you know that what we're telling you is true because we're not giving up any sort of access by doing it if we're negative you know that what we're saying is our real opinion because we're not giving up any access by being negative and so this magazine sort of encompasses that i think which is we're not looking at access we're looking at numbers and we're saying this is what the numbers say but it also looks at film because numbers aren't everything and so you yeah. look at film you look at numbers and you say what are the conclusions that i can draw from this and um you know i, I think the cool part about the magazine for me is that it basically does all my pre-work for me for the season 
So, you know, I like I have a really solid idea of where I think Florida's going to end up this year. Um and and I have reasons for it. Obviously, there's things that could go bad and things that could, things that could go haywire, but there's also things that could go good. And you sort of can look at that and kind of triangulate where you're going to end up. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when on Gators Breakdown, we were talking about the over-under. They had them like five and a half, I think, on FanDuel. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of negativity is unwarranted. But, uh, you know, depending upon the injuries, uh, depending on what happens. I we'll don't see. know, Will. I, I don't know. I think we're close on that. And that's what, like, but again, we understand these are dark times in Gator Nation, too. We understand that. We're, we're hurting along with everybody here. Watch it. It's tough watching Georgia do what they're doing right now. Uh, but we also try to create – we're not – we don't want to create false hope and false optimism, but we just want to take a look at what's going on, where can we improve, and how and what the path is to get to where we feel like Florida football belongs, and that's back on top competing for titles. Well, that's what the whole last page is about, or the back cover is about, is uh, is talking about getting back to where Florida's been in the past. And, uh, you know, so we started out with sort of the dark days of Georgia taking over the politi- the college football landscape and then break into Florida and wh- what's gone wrong and what's happened in the SEC and then start looking at the film and then look at recruiting. You've got this really cool feature with a bunch of maps that sort of show where the recruits are coming from, how far, star levels, all that sort of stuff. Um, really in-depth breakdown for the entire SEC, but Florida and Georgia specifically. You know, and then get into the roster and that sort of stuff too so um you know by the end you were picking the heisman trophy winner and i didn't i didn't decide to to argue with you even though i disagree so um you know we'll uh we'll we'll get into that later on i picked the correct one last year (laughs) so hey everybody we appreciate your support if you want to pick it up you can do that at readingreaction.com slash mag it's readingreaction.com slash m-a-g like i said it's about 20 bucks um, you know, we'll be doing a push to get this first run out. If we get the first run finished, we're going to put a second run together for Father's Day. Um, get get more printed and, and get them out there as well. So by finish, um, you mean sold out? Yes, yeah, sold out. We want to sold. We want right. to sell out. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here with 50, 50 uh, magazines sitting in my closet. You know, not having uh, uh, putting in a new order. No, I will. We 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 expect to sell out. We've bought extra ones, but we expect to sell those. And so, yeah. you know, it's not too late to go order. You, we we got a lot of pre-orders. We appreciate everybody giving us the pre-orders because that gave us the ability to to go go to the printer with confidence. But uh, but there's still plenty of time. Go over to readingreaction.com/slash/mag. Pick one up. Yeah, we don't there want right around Memorial Day. We don't want Will's wife yelling at him that there's too many boxes in the living room. So help the guy out. Help the guy out. So we'll put the link in the description here. We've had it there the last couple of weeks, but we've got the link in the description here to place your order. And obviously we'll keep uh we'll we'll keep throwing that link at you for the next few weeks here. But hope hope everybody enjoys their weekend. Uh thanks for tuning in for another show. We'll see you next week in Go Gators. Go Gators. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Stand Up and Holler. If you're interested in more information from me and Nick, you can go over to readandreaction.com. You can like and subscribe our YouTube channel here at Read and Reaction, or you can go to patreon.com slash readandreaction to support us, get extra information, and we do ask anythings over there every once in a while as well. So check us out. Thanks for listening.